morning, everyone. Good morning on this Father's Day. We're glad to have our online audience as well. Good morning to you. And what a great day, Father's Day, to have Pastor Jay sitting on the front row right over there. For those of you who may not know, he, of course, is recovering from uh, surgery. If you've ever had back surgery, you know that it takes a while. You have to take it easy. So he's here today not to participate in, on the platform, but to be here in church on Father's Day and no bear hugs, okay? It just doesn't work like that, all right? So it's just so good to see all of you. Now, before I go any further, I want to remind you we've got Vacation Bible School coming up just, just in a few weeks. Uh, you can find the details if you're interested uh, by scanning the QR code in front of you. Uh, that'll give you the details or going to uh, kingwoodchurch.com. You'll see the details. I, I, I believe in Vacation Bible School. When I was a kid, I was a regular there, and that's actually where I first gave my heart to the Lord was in Vacation Bible School. And we know a lot of people that that's true for, and so we, we think it's a big deal. We really do. Um, this, of course, is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers and men who have meant so much to your families and, 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 and the world around you. We're so grateful uh, to have you today on Father's Day. Now, I will tell you, I have two wonderful daughters who I've just enjoyed being a father to, and they've got families of their own, and they were always real good to their daddy, and they still are, and they, uh, they help watch out for me. I remember a, a, a really special Father's Day, I believe it was, when I got not just a gift from each one of them, but they got together and gave me a really unusual gift. And uh, I just want to show you, it was a t-shirt, and it said, I hide cheeseburgers. <laughs> now, let me tell you why they gave me this. So they discovered in the crisper of our refrigerator that I had stowed away under some things something that I wanted to eat later, and they accused me of hiding cheeseburgers. No, I wouldn't hide anything as un unhealthy as a cheeseburger. Come on, I, it was not a cheeseburger. It was a egg and sausage and cheese sandwich with bacon. And I, I wanted to eat it later, and I didn't want anybody else eating it, so I put it under there. And I got that as a result. So uh, happy Father's Day. That's what happens. <laughs> We're in the middle of a series, our summer series, studying the book of Hebrews. Nobody really knows who wrote Hebrews, but whoever wrote it, God sent it to us. It's incredible. Uh, Hebrews is all uh, written to people who live like in a world very similar to ours in that there was a lot of confusion and chaos in the Roman Empire at that time. Uh, assassinations of emperors and and war and, and lots of different religions and lots of options for people and, and a moral decay going on in their, in their society and persecution of Christians. And there were a lot of people who had become Christians who were thinking about throwing their faith away. They were losing their faith because of all the pressure around them. And uh, that, lives, that, that lives in our world today as well. It was written to discourage Christians who were feeling a lot of pressure, and they were, they were trying to keep the faith while so many things were trying to pull them away from faith. And the whole, the whole thing behind the book is Jesus 
is better. Don't throw him away. Jesus is better. Jordan said it right. He's better in every way. Up to this point, our focus has been on, well, Jesus is better than angels. He's better than Moses. He's better. Uh, last week, we talked about Jesus is better than the old, old Testament priesthood. That used to be the mediator between God and men. But Jesus is now the mediator. He's better. Last week, incidentally, and since this is Father's Day, I'm going to tell this. But last week, I told a story about being a little boy, and I lit a sparkler against my mother's wishes in the kitchen. She didn't want the sparks or anything, and, and, and so I put it in a bottle, and the bottle broke, and the sparkler hit the ground and burned a hole in the linoleum in the middle of our kitchen. And uh, several people offered to buy me sparklers all week long. I want to tell you that that became a famous story in, in, among my family and in my children. They all know that story. And one of my daughters, who may or may not be in the service today, sitting in this room, decided she could do what dad failed to do. She could light a sparkler and get out of the house before it did anything. And so she lit the sparkler, and as she was running out the door, the top of the sparkler came off and burned a hole in our white linoleum. <laughs> and she tried to cover it up with whiteout. <laughs> and it just, it just goes on. It's in our family, I suppose. Anyway. That was last week. Let's go on into chapter eight. This is where we are this week. He sort of uh, segues into a new better. This one is called a new and better covenant. He starts talking about the covenant we have is different. Now, what is a covenant? A covenant is a binding promise made by two or more persons assuring that each will keep their end of the bargain. That's a covenant. Like marriage is a covenant. When two people stand and they uh, pledge faithfulness to one another, they are both expected to keep their end of the bargain. That's what the covenant relationship is all about. I remember, um, remember when our oldest daughter, Lindsay, and Joel got married. Uh, you know, it was, it was wonderful, and they left for their honeymoon, and, and uh, you know, after the wedding, I'm done, you know? And so a couple of hours later, I get a phone call from Lindsay, Dad! Dad, that the hotel doesn't have our reservation. Well, I wasn't in charge of that. <laughs> and, and I realized my daughter had made a new and better covenant <laughs> with her new husband. And she said, what do we do? And I said, ask your husband. And I hung up. <laughs> yep. This is a new and better covenant. God had promised to replace the old covenant that we see in the Old Testament, uh, the law of Moses. And Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied that God would replace it 500 years before the book of Hebrews was written. Uh, in Jeremiah 31, this is what we read. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. 
See, God promised to honor, bless, and prosper the nation if they would just love him and keep his commandments. That's what he promised. That was his part of the covenant. Uh, In fact, he even took them to a certain place in Israel between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And Joshua was there and he built an altar to the Lord and he said, if you obey the Lord, he said toward Mount Ebal, if you obey the Lord, these are the blessings. And it's like chapter of blessings. If you disobey the Lord, he said toward Mount Gerizim. And all of a sudden there's this long list of curses that will fall upon you. And he, he spelled it out to them. And they all said, we will serve the Lord. That's where we get the, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Everybody, all the daddies in the, in the nation said, don't worry, we will serve the Lord. Well, what's wrong with that covenant? Well, they didn't keep it. They didn't keep it long. In fact, they couldn't keep it. Even the ones in charge of enforcing the law of Moses couldn't keep it. The priests couldn't keep it. Why? Because they were humans. They were fallen humans with a sinful nature and they, they were bent towards sin. They, they, they may have wanted to, but sometimes they didn't want to. They didn't keep the covenant. The law of Moses, the law, it, even the most righteous and holy people had a hard time keeping it. And nobody kept it perfectly. Listen, the law, it's, it's complicated, it's detailed, and it's, it's, it's hard, and it still is. And the truth is, if you don't believe that, read Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Just read that one for a while. That tells you how the law was, and you had to keep all of it. God knew it was a flawed covenant. So he promised way at the beginning I'm going to give you a new covenant one day. Now, so you see, why did he give them a flawed one? So they would realize they needed a new one that worked. So he, he gave them, he promised a better covenant. And he said, I'm going to give you this better covenant. It's going to be a new one. And he said, it's going to be backed up by better promises. That's, how, that's why it was better. It had better promises. God was going to offer better promises. Look at verse 10 in Hebrews 8. This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. On that day, says the Lord. Listen, I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So what are those better promises that God promised? Real simple, here's the first one. It will be inward and spiritual. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. It's gonna be something on the inside. The first covenant had been written on tablets of stone. It had been written there and, 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 and it required God's law to be written out. Look, it's not enough to have God's word written in a book. It's not enough to have, have it written in our hands that we can hold. God says, I want this to be in here. God says, I want what I say to not be something you read and check the boxes off. I want this to be inside of here. God said, that's what the new covenant is gonna be. It's not enough to have it laid on your coffee table and to have a special one that you use for special occasions or even to, to tote it to church every week. You know, I remember as a kid, that's what we had to do. We didn't necessarily look at it. We just brought it to church with us. 
Look at what James 1:21 says. So get rid of the filth and evil in your lives, look at this, and humbly accept the word of God has planted in your heart, for it is the power to save your souls. You wanna get rid of the filth in your life? Don't just, don't just say, I know what the Bible says. Put it in here where you can live it, where, you can, where it can be a part of you, where it can change you from the inside out. The promise-keeping power of God's word is in the heart, not in the book. You know, on Father's Day or Mother's Day or holidays when, when we exchange presents, for a father or a mother to get those Father's Day or Mother's Day uh, gifts from their kids is a big deal, you know? But when your kids are real little, you know, if it's Father's Day, mama gets the gift and says, go give this to your dad. Oh yeah, this is from your one-year-old. And so you open up and go, oh, I'm so happy. Yay, thank you for picking out this tie. You know that one-year-old's just going, hey, you know? But then there comes that day when you don't get a really nice tie. You get something really weird. But you know they picked it out. And that one becomes real special to you because it didn't come from what you had to do. It came from what they wanted to do. Pastor Jeremy told me yesterday that we were talking about that. We were talking about, he said, I remember one Father's Day, I got an ashtray. <laughs> I said, an ashtray? He said, yeah, man, it meant a lot to me. An ashtray that my kid picked out. Don't need it, but boy, it meant a lot. Honestly, that's what God is looking for. God is looking for the love that comes not from checking the boxes, but that comes from what is inward and what is spiritual. I love God because I love him, not because I have to love him. I serve him, not because I'm commanded to serve him, but because I want to serve him. I care about other people, not because I want people to see how what a good man I am. I care about other people because I want to be his hands and his feet and do what he would do. I worship him, not to gain points and look spiritual. I worship him because I love being in his presence. I read and I study the Bible, not because it's a good luck charm, not because it's got little magical things to the verses, no. I read and study the Bible because he's written a love letter to me and I want to know what he had to say to me. It's true. I pray to him, not because I'm trying to manipulate his hand. I'm praying to him because he's my best friend and my God. Does that make sense? That's, why we, that's what he wants from us. That's what he wants from us. He promises to change me from the inside out, not from the outside in. So the better promise is, number one, it's inward and spiritual. Here's the second better promise of God. It will provide a closer relationship with God. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, it's nothing new uh, in the Bible for God to want to be close to his people. I mean, from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, what did the Bible say? The Bible said Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden in the coolness of the day. They just, 
strolled around with God. It's pretty good. God has always wanted to be close to us. But what happened was when sin came into the world, when they fell, that closeness, that intimate friendship relationship with God was broken, was broken completely. And uh, that is, is what has caused us to feel so estranged from God, always. In Leviticus 26, 12, we read this. I will walk among you, I will be your God, and you will be my people. That was in the law promising what was coming in the book of Hebrews. Same quote. God was promising, I want to be close to you again. But now that Jesus has come, a new covenant is enforced. It is a covenant that makes us be even closer to God than we could ever have been by just keeping the law. We get to be intimately close with him. Look in, in 1 Peter chapter two, this is so awesome to me. It says, they stumble because they don't obey God's word. And so they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that. Listen to this. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into wonderful light. Once you had an identity as a people, now you're God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you've received God's mercy. Do you realize how close he wants us to be? That close. He wants to be so close to us, so close to us. Not that the, not that the Jews are not still God's chosen people. He even promises in the end to be able to bring them back into the fold. But you understand we, whether we're Jewish or not, whether we're Gentile, no matter what we are, he has grafted those who know Jesus into his family. We are adopted into his family. We become joint heirs with his family. He wants to be close to everyone who has chosen to walk with him. How? By putting your faith in him. You think that's good? You think that's good? What about the future? He promises to be even closer to us in the future. Revelation 21, look at this. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye. There'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Wow. You think it's good here knowing the Lord? Just think about it. When we get there, there's not even any possibility of sin, no possibility of sickness, no possibility of any of that. And the Bible says, we will be with him and be walk, his very presence walking with him in heaven. So the closeness that God promised in the new covenant is even gonna get better in our future. The promises of God don't stop there. I wanna read to you this from Hebrews eight. They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord, for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Third thing, third promise, it will provide forgiveness of sin. 
me explain what I mean by that. In the Old Covenant, Old Testament Covenant, you were born into it when you were born. Your family was a covenant family, a Jewish family. You were born into it. And then they had to teach you about the Lord. Now, if they didn't teach you about the Lord, you didn't know about the Lord, then you, you, had broke, you broke all the laws of God. But if they did teach you and you still broke the laws of God, you broke God's covenant. You had to learn about God. But in the new covenant, you have to know the Lord before you're in the covenant. In the old one, you were born into it and had to come to know the Lord. Now you get to know the Lord, and that's how you come into his covenant. How do you do that? By giving the Lord your heart, by, by giving God your life, by letting him come in as you repent of your sins, and you put your faith in Jesus Christ and say, I want you to be my Savior. That's what makes you part of the covenant. And we seal that with water baptism. We have baptism every so often out in the foyer. It's an incredible time. All that is saying is, hey, here's a new one who has joined the covenant. They've joined the covenant with God. And that's what that's about. Uh, and, and the neat thing about the, the forgiveness of sin that happens in our lives, it's not just you get your sins forgiven for a year like the old covenant was. Do you realize that? The Jews would get their sins forgiven. They'd sin for a year, and then they'd go get them forgiven. And then they'd sin another year, and then go get them forgiven. <laughs> That's not how it works anymore. The new covenant doesn't give you a year at a time. The new covenant says, once and for all, I want to wash your sins away. Yes, wash your sins. Does that mean God's just not going to worry about your sin anymore? No. When he, when he does that inside of your life and he cleans your life up, all of a sudden you can walk a new way. You have a power to not have to live that way anymore. And God forgives sin. He always forgives sin. And if, as we're going along, if, if we displease the Lord, we ask his forgiveness. But he's already provided that for us. He's already provided that for us. We don't have to wait until the day of atonement to offer a certain sacrifice. Jesus has already done that. The Bible says... Our sins are forgiven once and for all, forever. As far as the east is from the west, in Psalm 103 it says, if, if, you, got, if you got a globe and you put it in front of you and you, you go to Alabama, uh, you're in Alabaster, Alabama, and you go north, you go north, you're gonna go north and you're gonna eventually reach the North Pole. And when you get to the North Pole, right when you get there, you start going south. North and south meet at the poles. But if you, if you decide you're gonna go east, you're gonna go to Georgia, and you keep going east for the rest of your life, if you go around the world 20 times, you'll never quit going east because east and west never meet. And the Lord said, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I have removed your sins from you. Now, that's a long way. That's why this covenant is so good. That's why this promise is so good. Not just for a year. Not temporary. But forever. And that forgiveness doesn't come from our own goodness. It doesn't come from checking the boxes. It doesn't come from those kind of things. It comes from trusting what Jesus did in our lives. That's what it comes from, trusting what Jesus did. Not from our own goodness, trusting in Jesus Christ. Permanent, not temporary.
Hey, I want to tell you this. There's a, there's a story in the Old Testament that people don't talk about it a whole lot, but it's just incredible. Uh, there was a man, of course, named Abraham. He's the guy that sort of started all this walk with God thing. Abraham, the Bible says, got a promise from God. And the promise was, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless the world through your descendants. But Abraham was old and had no children at all. Way before he had children, God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Now, back in Old Testament times, when you made a covenant, which was a contract, that's what we call it now, a contract, an agreement, you had to seal it, not by signing your name or stamping something or getting a notary public to, you know, whatever. that's not it. What they would do is they would offer a sacrifice and they would take the sacrifice and cut it in half. Half the animal over here, the other half over here. And they would do several animals. Depends on how important it was. They would cut them in half and lay them there. And then both people in the covenant would together walk between the pieces of the animal with a torch. And they would say, if I don't keep my end of the bargain, let me be as these animals. That is not a good thing. Let me be split in half. And they would make that covenant. If I break this covenant, then I deserve to die. So Abraham was ready to make that covenant with God. He, 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 he did the, the animals. He put them in the right place. And, and he said, Lord, are we going to walk through this together? He, he couldn't see God, but he said that. And God said to Abraham, stop. I don't want you walking through it. I don't want you to walk through it. He pushed Abraham aside and Abraham saw a torch and smoke go between the pieces all the way to the end. Because God said, Abe, you can't keep it. I'll keep it for you. This covenant will not be based on your ability to keep it. It's going to be based on my ability to keep it. And he walked. Hey, it's amazing to me. I think about it. The Bible says it was fire and smoke. You remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt? They were led by a pillar of fire at night and cloud of smoke in the day. It was God saying, I'll do it for you. I'll do it for you. I've made a promise to you. I'm going to keep my promise. I want you all to know this. The reason the covenant and the promises of God are so much better now is because it's not based on our ability to keep them. It's based on our ability to trust God. And when you trust God, your whole life changes. Your lifestyle changes. The power of God begins to live in you. And you don't live like you used to live anymore. And you become on a process of learning, not everything immediately, but the, the relationship with God where you can walk with God in the coolness of the garden again because he lives in us. That's why it's such a good covenant, a great covenant. So, so I want to ask this question. This is, this is appropriate to ask today. What kind of covenant did you make with God? I know you say that's weird, but let me tell you what. Sometimes religious covenants are not God's covenant. If you made a covenant with God, even not knowing, not, not understanding this, if you made a covenant with God based on your ability to keep all the stuff, 
to go through and check the boxes and say, I've done this and done this and done this and done this and I've done it all right. That's not God's covenant. That's not his covenant anymore. He has one covenant. It's called faith and trust in Jesus. Where we quit trying to work for our salvation. Men, sometimes, sometimes men, we, we judge one another by how, how hard working we are or whatever. I want to tell you what, God doesn't judge us by how hard you work at being a Christian. God judges only your faith, your trust in him. How about this? The, the old covenant, you got in it by, by your lineage, your, your, your DNA. If you, if you were born in a Jewish family, you were in, in the covenant. It was based on Ancestry.com. <laughs> that's not it anymore. This covenant's not based on that. So, so if that's true, listen carefully to me. That means that all the sins of your father and your ancestors can't destroy you because God's not basing it on that. God can free you from all of that. It also tells me, and listen carefully, your mama's love of Jesus is not gonna get you through. It's not based on your mom and daddy's love for God either. It's gotta be your choice. God can free you from the past and he can let you make the choice for your future. You don't get in with your parents' coattails. God's, God's not gonna let them stand at the door and say, that's my boy, let him in. Comes one way. I just wanna, I want you to ask yourself today, what covenant did I make with God? Because if it's not the Jesus covenant, the real one, then it's not a covenant that God paid for. You say, that just sounds like a cheap salvation. Are you kidding me? Jesus paid it all for us. It was his blood shed on the cross that paid for it. So it's paid for. And it's paid for with something worth more than anything we could imagine. All you have to do is trust Jesus and give your life to him and begin that walk with him. I hope that's plain today because that's really what this is about. Would you stand with me? Our worship team is going to come. They're going to sing one of my favorite songs. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I just want you to know that covenant comes from nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's where it comes from. Nothing less than the blood. As we sing this today, I want you, if you have the opportunity, just right where you are, God, I just reaffirm my covenant is with you. I reaffirm, God, I'm not going to strive anymore. I'm going to trust you. And then we'll come back and talk about this later, okay? Let's sing together.